Hi, I'm Case Lowe, co-host of the Open the Voice Gate podcast. The one question I'm constantly asked when it comes to Dragon Gate is how do I get into the promotion? Well, stop asking and start listening to the Open the Voice Gate podcast released every Wednesday on the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. For exclusive news and show reviews, look no further than the leader in Dragon Gate coverage, Open the Voice Gate. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Hey kids, do you like professional wrestling? Well, we like professional wrestling, too. This is Shake Them Ropes for the biggest weekend in professional wrestling for the year 2023. I am Jeff Hawkins. He is Chris Novembrino. And of the two of us, only one of us have been talking to the feds, Chris. That's true. Uh, I drove extremely north and into the hinterlands. And Wait, I, hold I believe, on. <laughs> I believe that if you're above elevation 8,000 feet, the feds can't catch you. Oh, well, that's a good thing. No, no, no. I had a nice... 45 minute hour conversation with the FBI and the department of justice this week. Uh, not as a defendant perhaps, but as a victim of, of, uh, of a crime, uh, Google Atlas trading and look up the pump and dump. I was one of the people who got suckered into the pump and dump. Uh, <laughs> so uh, that it's still intimidating though. Even if you're not on trial, you're just like, Boy, I'm hope of I'm of any help, and you and and also I found myself because it's odd because I live alone, Chris. I can get conversational, and I almost feel like I'm being too conversational with the feds. Yeah, right. You're, you're like a little, <laughs> little lonely, and you're compensating for your loneliness. Yes, exactly. With the feds. You're like, it's, it's like an old joke I had. It's like, hey, you know what? If you can't afford therapy. Just schedule yourself some job interviews. You can get a good ten minutes of of healing in before they throw you out. I, uh, <laughs> I went to lunch with a friend here this week, and okay. uh, we were catching up. And at the end of it, she was like, "Well, I gotta go. I gotta go to my therapist and <laughs> talk about I, this." And I was like sitting there, like I was like. I feel like we were just doing that though for the last hour or so. <laughs> wait, this wasn't therapy? Yeah, that's exactly what I said. I was like, wait, what was this? This is just lunch. <laughs> well, I'm sending you the bill. So <laughs> Yeah, no, I was I was hearing a I was hearing a lot. Yeah, I was hearing a lot about uh this person's life. And I was like, I'm like I was I'm saying a lot of how does that make you feel? And yes. Then, and then not giving you anything to heal it. Like, oh, I'm just here to listen. <laughs> Our there, time is up. There, there was a little bit of that. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Our time is up. And then the doctor, <laughs> the doctor a, came on. Yeah. Yeah. You should have had a ding on your phone. Well, that's our time. Oh, I'm so sorry. There'll be no dessert. It. Oh, you you know what that piano music means. <laughs> Getting introed out of her own lunch. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> playing you off. 
This isn't the Academy Awards. You don't get to make the speech. You were just a supporting actress tonight. That was one oh. of my favorite bits on that old show. I, there, there's one episode where Gilbert Godfrey takes uh, gets very upset that he's getting played off by the piano at the uh, at the end. It's very funny. <laughs> oh, Gilbert was just great. Yeah, he, was. Uh, he was really good on that. Show. I think the theme for this week, kids, and I call you all kids lovingly. Um, I think everybody gets what they want this weekend. I think we're going to come out of this weekend all very happy with professional wrestling for once. It, it, it's one of those years where you know what they should do, and I think they're going to do it. I don't think there's going to be a lot of swerves. And hey, if you're not a WWE fan, let me plug this because we are not going to preview this. That Ring of Honor card, if you like good wrestling matches with absolutely no build and really no stakes because the Ring of Honor titles don't matter, that's your card, man. El, El Hio Del Vikingo versus Commander. Mark Briscoe versus Samoa Joe. Tanahashi and and Daniel Garcia. Uh, where, where, let me get some of these. Oh, Eddie Eddie Kingston and Cesar, and Claudio Castagnoli. Almost used his WWE name. I apologize. You know, Athena and Yuka Sakazaki. Great match. And then that ladder match for the vacant tag team titles. I mean, those are great. Oh, yeah, you get a six-man tag title match, but who cares about that? But yes, you get. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's just that's just a solid, solid action card. If that is your thing, you can watch that on Honor Club tomorrow night, Friday night, or tonight, depending on when this comes out. But uh, we will preview uh, both NXT Stand and Deliver and both nights of WrestleMania in a bit. But in the news uh, room, Vince McMahon will reportedly be at WrestleMania. And I love that this was, like, leaked as something. Now, I don't know if he's going to be on WrestleMania or not. I suspect that there is a slight chance, Chris, that he is given... I mean, for the most part, what I'm thinking is he'll be in a suite and any business suitors will be there with him for the sale, the quote-unquote sale, the fictional possible sale they're doing. There's a ch- what, is, what are the chances, Chris, percentage-wise, that Vince McMahon opens this show and does the re- welcome to WrestleMania thing? The percentage chance that he does the actual welcome to WrestleMania thing. Yeah, he get he get, he get, he gets the music and he gets sent to the ring. Given given all this stuff that's been in the news, I'm still gonna put that low. I'm gonna I'm fifteen percent. I think it's I'm gonna high. go slightly higher. I think I think <laughs> chairman of the board of this <laughs> of this company. Damn it, this is my WrestleMania. I get to have a moment. I don't worry about these fans. They'll love me, and the fans would love him. I think I think most of that stadium would cheer. There'll be some boos. I got it at twenty five or thirty percent here. Man, uh, <laughs> I I I hate to say it, but I think you're right about that stadium cheering for him. WWE fans love WWE. everything we know about him. No, yes. I know that, but like, no, you you actually you you don't have to congratulate ISIS. No, <laughs> you don't have to hand it to them. You don't have to hand it to us. Uh, rounding out this year's Hall of Fame class, Stacy Keebler. Fascinating in- induction, but you know it's also right on brand. So, so your four inductees 
And I've seen some people calling this a great class, and I've seen some people calling this the worst Hall of Fame class ever. Y- your headliners are Ray Mysterio Jr., the great Muda, Andy Kaufman, and Stacy Keebler. Muda alone makes it for me. I'm sorry, and I love Ray. But your inductors are also Conan and Ric Flair. And again, possibly Bob Zamuda. <laughs> I forgot who's inducting Keebler. Uh, maybe Trish. I I, I I I don't have that in front of me. But uh, any any thoughts or snark yeah, or jokes yeah, yeah. you want to make? So, like, even if you look at this class in the most negative of lights, and just to sketch that out real quickly, Andy Kaufman was never in WWE or anywhere close to WWE. No. Muda never wrestled a match in WWE. Correct. And Stacey Keebler's run in WWE, frankly, a lot of it can't be repackaged and recapped. <laughs> um, Very it, true as well. I hadn't had thought of it that way, but yes, you're correct. Like, so all of those three are very flawed. Even if you acknowledge all of that, at the end of the day, you are still left with, at the top of that, Rey Mysterio. One of the greatest talents WWE ever had. Yes. And and really, I mean, just like a generational talent. Uh, e- one even best, if, even one if, of the best wrestlers of the 1990s. Yes. But I mean, his WWE run for me. Uh, look, I love ECW and WCW Rey. WWE Rey never did all that much for me, to be honest with you, because it was like, okay. But he could do it over and over again. And he could do it for a long time, and he's done it for a long time. And they mistreated that guy because he was small. When they wanted to put the belt on him, no, no, people won't believe a guy that size can win, blah, blah, blah. Squash him by the big show later, you know. Uh, and he's done so much for that company. That That's the thing that overrides his work for me. He has done he, – he's a bankable star who has been there for – God, over 20 years. Yeah, and I mean, again, it's not as though the work wasn't there for years at a time, especially earlier in his career. Like, uh, the guy, the guy, his WCW stuff was so inspired. He was, yeah, yeah, he was just like, for an American audience, such a groundbreaking talent. And, like, his ability to connect as a babyface was so profound. Even in those undercard slots, people loved Ray. Oh no, he he helped that cruiserweight division. Oh yeah, so much. And so and much. look, the first time I saw him on ECW, because I had heard about Worlds Collide through reading the internet message boards at that time. When he debuted against uh, Psychosis, yep, in EC, ECW, I, I think that was a. Ta- I can't remember if that was the tag match with Conan and. Uh, I can't remember the four. I think Hooventude might have been the fourth. I don't know. But anyways, th- that first street fight that Seacoast and Ray had was just sublime. And it was awesome. And it was leading to, I think, November to remember of that year. Maybe it was another one. I can't remember. But, uh, dude, you're just, like, blown away by the stuff he could do. And then he got in there. And then he started wrestling, like, Dean Malenko. And oh, Dean, was his, the, Dean was his best foil, always, I thought. It's it's like a toss up between him and Dragon for me, because no, Dragon was good. Dragon, I felt like Kosis was good. Eddie bad. Eddie was good. I mean, I mean, look, you 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 can right. Like like I mean, like that that division was loaded anyways. It's not like Dragon and uh, Malenko couldn't have a good match together either. Um, but like yeah, dude. I mean, 
Ray's, Ray's a legend. Like, just, I mean, I think it's easy to forget how important he is to the business, the art form, the thing that is professional yes. wrestling. Because, for example, yes, we love to razz on Mysterio Family Theater and the <laughs> WWE presentation of him. Like, yes. But, like, if Jeff and I were writing for Ray Mysterio, we would never have had Ray stuck in a stun lock talking about how Dominic is his son and he loves his boy and he misses his boy who is his son, who is Dominic. Like, you know, we, we would be presenting this guy the way I think you and I both see him, which is, this is a living legend. This is like, he's, he's, he's a living legend of Lucha is what he yeah, is. Yeah. He is like the, the crossover Lucha talent too. Yes. He's yeah. The he, guy who, he's the guy who made it. Uh, marketable in the states. Yeah, he he really did. I, I mean, right? Because it, it was not Mill Mascaris or like you know. Uh, no, Mill Mascaris is a legend, and he'd be the first to tell you that. Uh, yeah, no, no, <laughs> no one's quicker to volunteer that than Mill. Ask Cactus Jack about Mill Mascaris. Uh, <laughs> I'm not jobbing to him. Uh, <laughs> Mill came in as a guest star and refused a job. Um. But yeah, no, Ray, and he made it cool, and he made small guys marketable, too. Because, I mean, look, the malfeasance that WCW did with, with all those guys in the Cruiserweight division to feed them dudes like Hall and Nash and everything, it, it's understood. But those guys were over in front of those Nitro crowds in that first hour, You especially in that first year of Nitro. You watched that show. Yeah, oh, dude, watch those 96 shows. So, and... and those guys would often carry the WCW Saturday nights too. And they always gave the people who came to see Saturday night a good show. Naomi is done with the WWE. She, she announced uh, she'll be going, I believe by Trinity or Trinity fat Two If she chooses to go to another fed and I'll, I'll, I'll loop in this one too. Cause we missed this a couple weeks ago. Uh, Nikki and Brie Bella both announced that their contracts with WWE had expired and was mutually agreed to not to renew their contracts as they wanted to start a new chapter in their lives, and they have subsequently rebranded themselves as the Garcia Twins. Any thoughts on any of them, and uh, what the future may hold? For the Garcia Twins. Uh, or Naomi. Or Naomi. Look, Garcia Twins, I know their future. It's it's bad reality TV shows yeah. and trying to figure out ways to milk that cow. No, they're going to be kind of on the downward trajectory here for the next 10 years doing reality TV shows of depreciating quality. Being yeah. a celebrity judge on something. Yeah. Right. right. Maybe funny. one of them tries acting at some point, probably uh, the former Nikki. Yeah. I think they have already. Yeah. I think um, it didn't go well. I think they came out here for a couple of pilot seasons and it didn't work. Yeah. So but it's a tough business. So, I mean, I don't fault them. I don't say it's their fault for that. No, I, I just like the act doesn't really have anywhere to go. It really was right. It was a younger person's act. Um, they would have to kind of seriously sort of like rebrand what the Garcia twins are, uh, you know, in, in, in professional wrestling. And I don't think I don't think they're looking to be in ring anymore. So Trinity, I don't know, because Trinity belonged naturally in the bloodline story, to be honest with you. And while she's a good wrestler, she is. How, how do I put this? She's like a system quarterback. 
Yeah, she's a WWE. She is a wrestler. WWE wrestler. That's that's the best. It's the best way I could put it. And it's there's nothing wrong with that. It's but just it might be you, a little late for her to like retweet. Yes, that what there the you go. Her that, style is there you go. It, it, yeah, it, that's what I was trying to get at. It, it might you know it's it's like Cody could take the WWE style and go elsewhere, but put some new twists and spins on it. He was young enough. He was involved in the industry enough outside of it. He had enough friends who could help him with all that. Trinity, yeah, has been kind of you know, raised in the system for the most part. Yeah, yeah. Cody was raised with, like, understanding of pro wrestling. Yes. Like, much yes. deeper level. Uh, yeah, that, that, so, this, yeah, this is an apples and... Uh, and no, no, yeah, yeah, no, I'm com- trying, to, I'm trying to think of, like... Yeah, no, but the, it's a good pick, though, just because I think it's illustrative of, like, okay, there are these other things in Cody's background or whatever that allow him to have a broader perspective, but it it does not typically go well. For the, I'm just a product of WWE. I, I've those guys kind of struggle to find their footing. Yeah. In the second, in the second chapter. Um, I mean, I'm looking at a guy like uh, Big Bill Morrissey. Still doesn't seem to have uh, found what he's trying to do here yet. I think he's doing good work, though. I mean, when you see him on the darks or you see him uh, on the occasional dynamite, he is. I mean, he's a big guy, so he's always going to be limited in some capacity, but he he at least has tried to adapt to being a non-WWE wrestler. I think he's done a fair... I mean, his run and impact is underrated, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he hasn't really been given a lot of an opportunity to sort of shine personality-wise, but the thing he always had going for him was that he had a personality. Yeah. The one thing that WWE actually did a nice job teasing out of him. Well, um, it, it, it's funny, because I, I mentioned this... Uh, you know, I was tweeting randomly because I'm I'm watching Freebirds and I'm up to their their run in UWF, uh, Latter Day Mid South. And look, Ted DiBiase was a fantastic wrestler, in ring, big guy, but he wasn't a personality machine at all as a babyface, and was only slightly better as a heel in the Rat Pack in Mid South, and then he got to WWF. And they gave him this million dollar man character. And he all of a sudden became the most charismatic dude in wrestling. It, it's it's a revelation, Chris. It, it really is. And 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 everybody thinks of him as this great charismatic heel. But remember, he wasn't much as a manager either. So it, it's one of those things where sometimes that WWF sizzle over steak thing works for some people and i think it worked a lot for Cass slash big bill yeah and i I just i mean i think that there are a number of people who come out of the wwe system and have spent most of their career there uh, and never really had any time before they went to the wwe system doing indies in any considerable way or any sort of meaningful run Uh, i I just think that the, the transition out you don't what you learn in WWE is how to be a WWE performer. Yes. You, what it, it leaves you don't you... learn to be a wrestler. You learn to be a you learn to do the the school plays that WWE asks you to. And do. And that might be more true now than even ten years ago. I, uh, I would agree because because yeah, their like, PC is teaching this now as as a style, as opposed yeah. to bringing in wrestlers who have to adapt to that style. Well, in NXT their match style has gotten further away from the indie style and is yes. much more 
I mean, this is our frustration with new NXT, even after they sort of move away from the Technicolor vomit. Uh, new NXT still very much just reeks of WWE match style, whereas old NXT was sort of like a hybridization of yes. what was going on in, in modern indie wrestling at that time and also the WWE style. Uh, and just as a uh, intro to our Lazy River, I will say this. Uh, as much as I have insulted old Jim Ross, young, excited Jim Ross, really trying to get over the match is the best. I mean, even pre-WWE Jim Ross. He is so great when he is motivated as a young man. I, I, I'm listening to a Terry Gordy versus Steve Dr. Death Williams fight, and he is... Dude, you can just tell he's standing up in his seat screaming for, for Williams to win that match. I just, yeah, I, I was like, man, I, I've been way too tough on him. And then I go, nah, maybe not. No, if anything, whenever I hear old, young Jim Ross, it makes me feel more validated in how critical I am being of this iteration of Jim Ross because what Jim Ross was in AEW was, was, was generally quite poor. Yeah. Um, like it, even on its best nights, it wasn't, I mean, it was, he was never delivering 1990s quality Jim Ross or anything. Yeah. And, and, and you know, for me, his peak in at least WCW time was that first clash with him and Shivani on the call. And it was just a fantastic sports call by both of them. I, I, I highly recommend that if you have not watched the first clash of champions. Oh yeah. That's a good one. Go, go, go watch that uh, with those two on the call. They are fantastic on that. But that leads us into the lazy river. We're going to start uh, with AEW dynamite because that's the only thing that's not being previewed uh, this weekend, but uh, AEW last or on TBS, 833,000 viewers, uh, 0.28 in the demo, number four in cable originals in 18 to 49. Interesting little side note from our friends at WrestleNomics, our friend Brandon uh, Thurston. The final quarter hour featuring the Adam Cole match lost viewers, which is unusual because this is the first time that Adam Cole had wrestled in like 278 days. But uh, no, news and notes from Dynamite. I, of course, do a show, uh, you know, the Dynamite show over on Fight Game Media, fightgamemedia or patreon.com slash fightgamemedia. So I have thoroughly deconstructed this show already. Chris, I want to get you first crack at any thoughts you had on the... Yeah, on the absolutely. Let's, let's start with the Adam Cole thing, right? Okay. And I think the ratings are really interesting to cross-reference against that segment because I, I felt like that segment was a bit of a dud. And I, <laughs> probably not a huge surprise to anyone who's ever heard me do commentary on anything Chris Jericho related, but <laughs> I thought it was a bit of a dud. And I don't know that this push to like make Adam Cole, the new Cody Rhodes for AEW is going to work. I, I don't know that he works as this endearing baby face type. And, and that him and Britt work as this like power couple as the power couple. Um, yeah. yeah. And I understood why they put that on last to lead into the debut of, of the backstage show. But I think the fatal flaw in last night's dynamite was, I think you needed to switch the Kenny match with Jeff Cobb slash, and the BCC beat down afterwards 
put that as the main event of the second hour and you put the Cole match as the main event of the first hour. I think if you had reversed those, because really the story coming out for me of this dynamite, and I really liked this dynamite a lot. I thought there was a lot of good storytelling in it, which is what I look, I watch wrestling for promos and fake fights and, and the heat. And I think now AEW has their main event heel group, their horsemen in the Blackpool combat club after the Dan or Brian Danielson angle. And it's weird because I made this point last night on Twitter as well when I was watching it live and I was thinking about it. it's it's not quite a one-to-one comparison with the original Horseman, but it's very, very close. You have Brian Danielson, who is as the charismatic front man. And when he's a heel, he is charismatic as hell as a front man because he has that wicked troublemaker sensibility in him where he where he wants to eat the, the the crowd of it. I view Moxley as very much like a Tully Blanchard in this sense. Tully and Flair in 84 were feuding. They were, and they were, you know, they were, I mean, until they switched off Tully with uh, Blackjack Mulligan, um, or I mean, Flair and Blackjack, and then they, or it was Flair and Wahoo and Blackjack and Tully, and it was originally Tully and, and Flair. And then they were randomly putting him in tag teams with the Andersons for six mans, before the horsemen, but like six months earlier, those two had been fighting. And so there's always that weird tension for anybody who watched for a while of is Tully going to eventually turn on flair because flair and the Andersons are related quote unquote in kayfabe. You have Claudio as the perfect Ole Anderson grizzled vet who can stretch and hurt you. And then you have Yuta who is do- look, I have been tough on Wheeler Yuta here. I have dragged Wheeler Yuta for his acting abilities because they weren't very good. Him as a sneaky baby crap heel is fantastic. He is the perfect Arn Anderson coming into NWA as a 24-year-old baby bull or whatever, however old he was. I think it was around 24 when he joined the Horsemen, even though he looked 40 all the time. I love this Blackpool Combat Club. I hope they, and and they are just guys who beat people up, which is what I want in a main event heel group. This is what the pinnacle should have been. So overall, I, I really, I mean, I love this show, but I would have switched those two, to get back to my point, I would have switched those two segments. I would have made the Cole thing uh, head of hour one and, and the Blackpool Combat Club angle uh, uh, hour two. Yeah, and, and I think it's, that's the right move. And I bet you that was the original thought. And then it was, we need a lead in. (laughs) We need a lead in. But like, when you really think about it, has Chris Jericho been presented over the last nine to 12 months as anything close to a main event level talent? Boy, isn't it interesting that Chris Jericho once again, puts over a young talent. Yeah. He's just the guy who ends up better. Is Chris Jericho moving up the card to face Adam Cole? And you can almost hear the exasperation in Ricky Starks' voice in his promos. Like, what the hell is going on here? How did I end up moving up slash down to Juice Robinson? To Juice Robinson. And nothing against Juice. I like him. He's wacky. But you, but this, this is a cool down feud for Ricky Starks. And it's crazy because Starks to me is a fantastic foil, for example, for MJF. 
Yes. Like, yeah. This, this is a guy who should be getting elevated up into that four pillars picture. Uh, I, I would argue. Or at least teasing it. Uh, speaking of the pillars, I, I really liked the MJF jungle boy. Uh, Ted, what once Jungle Boy got out of the yeah, when I got backstage, you're gonna be my friend. When he got emotional and could get the what's to stop because wrestling fans are still stupid and are still wanting people when they do the WWE style three word cadence, not realizing that it's because they are in a live arena where sound reverbs. But Jungle Boy needs to change his gear, but I I really liked this 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 setup, and I I actually liked because again we 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 complain about breaking the fourth wall, but MJF brought in Anna J as Jungle Boy's girlfriend, brought that up on television, but I like it because it gives Anna J the chance to turn face, break away from both the JAS, and also join the originals possibly in that feud but also as a nice counterpoint to Tay and Sammy now too. I, I think that's the smart move to make here. That is interesting. That like I guess you could eventually spin off Anna Jay and Jungle Boy against Sammy and Tay. Yeah, I, and th- I think that's the plan here with the pillars. And as they're, yeah. cause I think they're going for a four-way at double or nothing. They're going I, for a four-way at double or nothing, but then maybe you, like, okay, so then... I guess that would sort of do away with all of the pillars in in a way. So then the, then MJF would go on to another feud after that. Well, I th- I think yeah, I think he he escapes the pillars somehow. Oh, yeah. He doesn't right. beat any of them, but he escapes them, and none of them lose up until up until Memorial Day. Uh, and- I think okay, I think okay, I think the way this has to end then is like he pins Darby Allen. Yes. And Jungle Boy and Sammy kind of are like starting to feud. Yeah. I'm, I'm and I'm fine with that. I, or yeah, and okay. I'd even I'd I'd keep them away from each other until then. I'd just have them beat everybody else in the company, pretty much, because mm. you have plenty of guys on the roster. You don't need to have Sammy. You don't need to have any of these pillars have a match until you you might be able to have a tag match. A tag match would be fun. You know, Sammy and Max versus <laughs> you do the WWE booking. Uh, but yeah, I, I'd keep them all away. Uh. As more. Blackpool Combat Club going like heel and having Danielson join up with them at the end of this, I don't know. Like, part of me likes it, and then part of me also goes, cool, you guys really didn't think about what the ending of the MJF Brian Danielson storyline is. Or oh, like, dude, it's burning money, is what like, it is. It's like, because the biggest. Didn't think about it at all. Cool. Yeah, the biggest babyface in that company could be Brian Danielson. Yeah, and that's what I was thinking. I mean, my original idea last week was Takeshita joins the Blackpool Combat Club, thinking that that's what Danielson wants from him. But he's still, you know, he's still the probie getting beat up by these other heels. And then eventually Danielson comes in and says, "No, these guys are jerks. What are you doing?" And then he, and then Takeshita has to make a decision. But it's obvious to me that Brian Danielson does not want to be the face of AEW. He just wants to do, be a wrestler who does wrestling things. And he wants the younger guys to get elevated because, you know, that's the politics of wrestling today is thinking that, you know, all the old guys always held people down, et cetera, et cetera. But to me, it's like Brian Danielson was always after punk. Uh, who, who God knows what's going on there. Uh, the chance to grow this company, I thought, was Brian Danielson, period, other than MJF as a heel champion. But as a babyface, the only real huge babyface champ I think they have that has charisma, 
that could carry the company and can cut promos is Brian Danielson. Yeah, and I, I actually, I mean, the whole idea that like MJF keeps saying to Danielson, "You're washed up. You can't do this. You know, you're past your prime." Yes, <laughs> was like 11 years ago or whatever. Like that actually does. I mean, especially like you know, I, I think it actually does kind of port nicely onto like a Danielson underdog babyface. It's a different sort of underdog, you know. I mean, yeah, you, you can't say, "Oh, this guy can't win the big one." He has now. It's you know, is is he over the hill? Is it too late? Uh, and, and even so as that, I mean, people love that story. People love the over the hill gunfighter yeah, story. Yeah. And, and okay. So like, while I enjoyed this episode more because it did do more storytelling for me, like this Blackpool combat club full turn or whatever is not narratively satisfying storytelling. Okay. So it's, it's like a little bit of a mixed bag. I don't hate it. Um, I'm definitely not at they're the horsemen because they don't have the belts. They have none belts. They have all those ring of honor belts. So Chris. Oh, you're right. You're right. You're right. And, and low who could forget about those, but <laughs> supposing, <laughs> I mean, you want me to take the ring of honor belt seriously. Okay. The pure title in the ring of honor. <laughs> I know. I know. Isn't, I isn't one of them like a TV champion or something over on ring of honor. No, that's Joe. Okay. Uh, oh, yeah shit my bad no yuda uh, is the pure champion and oh and claudio or, yeah claudio is the uh, actual ring of honor champion oh good for him i think i yeah. i don't yeah yeah because kingston's fighting him yeah no that, like, yeah that, that's right that's right he is on the pay-per-view but still, uh, it's like, you know, they, they need titles on their own brand on their own show to be the horsemen like the if you're going to really make Black Bull Combat Club a serious threat. They need to get the tag titles really quickly. Like they need to beat and they need to, you know, be sort of House of Black or whatever. They need to beat them. They're the champs right now, right? Uh, the trios champs, yes. Yeah, they need to beat them in short order. Like like what should happen is that they like completely trounce the House of Black. To really uh, I like that they trounced uh, Dalton Castle and the boys. I thought that No, I thought that was fine too. I saw I did read like some reviews complaining about that. I was just like, really? Like, well, it's because Dalton Castle is a very, very good wrestler in terms a of a good wrestler. In terms of grappling, in terms of amateur wrestling, and they were hoping to see that against the Blackpool Combat Club. But the but the thing is, you take him out and you beat up his geek boys, and that's good. I like that. Right. Yeah. And like, yeah, the the. The trios team of Dalton and the boys is not like about the grappling, right? Like no. when they do their trios matches, it's a lot more about like high flying and like sort of set pieces and that sort of thing. Yeah. And that's great. But it, no, I mean, you weren't going to get grappling Dalton Castle anyways. And I dig him. I'd like it. For example, I'd like to see like Dalton Castle versus Danielson. That'd be a fun, you know, enhancement match for Danielson. But that would be a grappling match. All the Dalton and the boys matches, they, they've always been entertaining, high-flying, that sort of thing. More, more about the boys than about Dalton. Two more quick hits, and then I'll be done with them, and we can go into our previews. Uh, Don Callis holding out his hand while Paige gets beat up. Ridiculous stupidity, and I loved it. And uh, I didn't think the Don Callis follow-up largely with Kenny was very narratively satisfying. It wasn't narratively satisfying. No, no, just, I, that was actually pretty weak. Now, now that but you're the, but, that but, the, but the whole geek thing of him just standing there with his hand out, it's like, you moron. <laughs> and I'll, I'll plug a match. Uh, 
I don't regularly watch Ring of Honor, but uh, I, I borrowed a, a login, admittedly, because I will not subscribe to it. Uh, I watched Athena and Emmy Sakura from tonight's Ring of Honor show to set up uh, set up the Yuka Sakazaki Athena match um, tomorrow night. That is a hoss fight. Athena and Emmy beat the crap out of each other, and it was fan tastic go out of your way to watch it i i loved that match um anything else about dynamite before we go into nxt um let me see uh i feel like we've been uh, omega jeff cobb was good it was good yeah and i'm just trying to see if there's anything else i we basically covered all the segments uh i, I feel as though right yeah uh, we don't need to cover. Oh no, no! Oh, you're no, you're right. Like the Outcast is still a thing, and it's still not good. Uh, <laughs> no, no, like that. That Willow Nightingale match was was an effing mess. Like it was way overbooked. Like like that that like it was. Well, just... the, the problem with that was the post match too. It's like okay, you have Rio. She comes out in a white t shirt. It, it's a perfect canvas for green paint. And then Jamie Hayter comes out like a whirling dervish. The three heels are absolute geeks because they go at her one at a time. So they get taken out. The baby the fir- kind of do that too. Like they come out one at a time. Yeah, get- well, but, but I mean, they attacked her one at a time when they were all like ganging up at first against everybody else. It was just dumb heel them. And that happens sometimes for a good pop for the baby face champ. But then she she extends her hand to Riho. And the first thing Riho does is make the belt thing. It's like, you ungrateful woman. <laughs> if I were a hater, I would have knocked her the F out. Because it's like, you know, oh, look, I'm going after your title next. It's like, I just helped you from a beating and not getting paint. And the first thing you're going to do is mock me. I ought to kick your ass, Rio. The other thing that, like, cracked me up was, like, how bad the cheating was in this match yeah it was oh this this was very sports entertainment no it was worse because like aubrey for her part was often putting herself in visual eyeline of the cheating oh yes yeah like beggared belief uh my favorite one was when she actually expressed a reaction to seeing the cheating (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Wait, did she is... crack a smile what my no God. no 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 she looked like this like like oh you're che- like 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 making a face oh you can't do that that's cheating only <laughs> if you see that and you're the referee you're supposed to do something that's it, your it, job it, it, it would have been perfectly fine here's the worst part right like this is actually a wonderful match to establish Aubrey Edwards credibility as a referee to a certain extent where there Willow's having this match against Ruby and the other two members of the outcast are cheating. And at first she's not catching it. And then finally Aubrey catches it. She throws out the match, awards it to Willow Nightingale. Willow gets a DQ win over Ruby Soho. No harm, no foul. It's not as though like Ruby's brand is damaged by this in the slightest. And then they can jump right to this, but then you protect Aubrey's credibility. Um, and instead, like you have this, this situation where Aubrey is seeing rampant amounts of cheating, but is not empowered to toss the match. Right. Um, also mildly intrigued by the potential of a cheating orange Cassidy. 
<laughs> like, I, I am I into heel Orange Cassidy or cheating Orange Cassidy? Maybe. 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 Um. Oh, the the acclaimed. Oh, speaking uh. of Jericho. He found another young act to attach himself to. to I actually really liked that vignette. I did, but I think the the problem was they they tried to do the hard sell later. But it reminded me a lot of the Public Enemy one, where it was, "Thank you, Mister Dangerously." They were all on. They were they were charging everything to Paul E. Dangerously's credit card, and just doing things. That's what I was expecting out of this, where it's like, "Yeah, Chris Jericho is funding this for the night," but. Uh, uh, two point I mean, oh Jericho finding a way to be professional Dracula, sucking the young life out of talent. I'm waiting for the Vikingo feud. Uh, <laughs> I'll help put him over. Uh, uh, and Commander too. Like I'm just like thinking of uh, oh and Bandito. Yeah, like I could yes. Luchador Chris Jericho. Jericho yeah. Oh. Uh, yeah, I, I'm going to help all these. They can't speak very well on the mic. I'll help put them over. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, God. He's, he'll, be, he'll be work rate, Triple H. Um, <laughs> moving on. NXT stand and deliver from Crypto.com Arena. 1 yes! p.m. Eastern. Local time. 10 a.m. here in L.A. <laughs> Oh, it's going to be sparse, methinks. But it is NXT. It's young kids. It, there's there's a, there's at least one match on here that I think is going to absolutely kill. But let's uh, get into this. Starting with Chase University, Andre Chase, Duke Hudson, and my favorite character in NXT, Thea Hale, who is just always on a 10 at all times, no matter what she's doing. And Tyler Bate. Versus Schism, Joe Gacy, Jagger Reed, Rip Fowler, and Ava. In an eight-person mixed tag match, the winners will gain control of Chase University. Oh, the drama. Chris, who do you got? I think Chase University loses this. I think that this is like the beginning of building the schism because it is kind of time to kick the tires on what is the schism. What are we doing with these guys going forward? The most easy answer is that Duke Hudson, of course, turns on Chase University, giving it to the schism, or at least Duke Hudson has made a deal with the schism to then pay off the quote-unquote Kiana James wants to buy Chase University, and he's the mole type thing, which is where they were originally going to go, I think, at first. But I am so here also for Duke Hudson finally buying in to Chase U. And being fiery babyface Duke Hudson, because I've never really been interested in him as a heel. He stinks no, as a heel, to be honest. There's with something you. kind of fun about him as like um, a dopey but somewhat capable babyface. Like yes, like he like thinks he's suave and he thinks he's a superhero and he and, thinks he's a good gambler. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, yeah. No, like he. I think you can still keep some of the heel attributes, like the slight delusion, but like it's done in a charming way. Like he, he thinks he's the hero and in his mind, like he's the hero of his own story. And I, I think that can <laughs> actually be presented in a fun mid card baby face sort of way. I want to see his baby face fire because I've never seen it. And I think it'd be kind of interesting. And that might actually be the swerve here. The swerve is that Hudson buys completely in, 
but they still lose anyways. Yeah, I, I, I got schism doing this, and God, the Rock's daughter has none of his charisma. No, Absolutely she's got none. none of it, but you know, I think where they're going to go is Thea Hale's going to eat the pin here because the Rock's daughter is going to, like, mind caboose her Yes, head. and she's going to do something wacky. And yes, I, I love her to death, though. She's she's just committed. She's the most committed actress I've ever seen in wrestling. I think. No, that's absolutely where they're gonna go. They're gonna like have her. You know, the mind caboose is put on her head, and she can't think straight, and she gets pinned. Triple threat tag team match for the NXT tag team titles. For some reason, pretty deadly. Not on this card. I think they're hosting. But it's Gallus, your champions, Mark Coffey and Wolfgang versus the Creed brothers, Brutus and Julius. Versus the D'Angelo family, Tony D'Angelo and Channing Stacks Lorenzo. Well, how many more times can you beat Pretty Deadly? Yeah, that's true. I think this this match is going to be fun. Uh, I don't know if it'll be good, but it'll be fun for me at least, because it looks like a lot of hoss fighting going on. And, of course, Stacks doing crazy crap from the top of the rope. But I I have Gallus... uh, I have Gallus keeping the titles here. I have Gallus keeping the titles here, but uh, Tony and Stacks continue to be a pretty entertaining little team yeah i i agree (laughs) they're 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 inept mobsters is their gimmick (laughs) like no they're like they're larping being mobsters. it's great like i want you know what i want from this act i want them to try and do like a shakedown of a business for protection money and end up paying the business that's what i want (laughs) They pay the business to retain them as the protection. Yes. <laughs> well, we're just trying to get up and running here. Can we pay you 20 bucks a week? Sure. We we need we need <laughs> we need to be protecting a few places kind of uh before we can start getting around, you know, and then they start paying us. You know, you gotta spend money to make money. For the women's tag team titles, Fallon Henley and Kiana James. With Josh Briggs and Brooks Jensen, congratulations on getting to first base. Mm. Versus, oh God, Alba Fire and Isla Dawn, who just did the most ridiculous vignette I'd ever I've seen. I thought this. it was beautiful, Jeff. Oh, you, I, you know, that's no, why I'm, you are the Isla Dawn fan. I am. I show. you know what? After all these, you bought years, in. I bought in. No, you were the Duke Hudson of Isla Dawn fandom. <laughs> Uh, like it, it took it took several years here, Jeff. But I have finally completely bought in after this week's Blood Sisters promo. I mean, the metaphor. Did you see the metaphor they used? Uh, they used a little red scarfy thing and they wrapped it around their arms. Yes, I, I, I caught, I caught the the, the yeah, very meta- blood like, that's symbolism. Like, yeah, like it's like blood. It's like. The Brendan Fraser, the whale movie, and it has to go into Moby Dick. We're going a little bit too on the nose there, kids. Uh, <laughs> it's like this, blood. I think this match is going to stink, but I think Keanu James is just such a power. She is underrated in terms of how muscular she is, and she's going to she's going to throw right? some people around. No, I I, I mean. You know, uh, e- even when she wears certain outfits, you still see her physique. You know? Oh, yeah. She oh, is yeah. a oh, rich no, crap house. I mean, she's got some serious shoulders and like serious. Yeah. Arms. Yeah. yeah. No, like that, that, that. And she was throwing people in that uh, in that uh, other match that that five way cage time pin thing that they did. So, I mean, I, I'll, I'll go this way. I'll go this far. I'm more interested in seeing longer term what Kiana James can do than I am Tiffany Stratton. Wow. Okay. Yeah. 
I'm here yeah. for that. I I I I can see that case. Johnny Gargano versus Grayson Waller in an unsanctioned match. Oh, real quickly, I yeah. think uh, the Fallon Henley Kiana James team loses to the. Blitz. Yes, I think they give up the titles here. Yep. Yeah. And that we get the split, and then Brooks and Josh start fighting, but it's a cliffhanger. Or because we don't know who Sebastian is yet, I think it's Duke Hudson, but we don't know who he is yet. So who knows? Yeah, no, I, I have them dropping the titles here. I think it was a nice test run for them. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Gargano and Waller. Boy, if I'm Johnny Gargano, <laughs> I'm thankful they're paying me a lot on the main roster and getting main roster money because once again, we're getting the short jokes and the nerd jokes on the on Raw. And he comes down and he gets his ass beat by Grayson Waller. <laughs> I don't under... I don't know how you can have Grayson Waller win this, but I don't see why you would bring a veteran down to not put over the young guy either. And I also don't think Grayson Waller can keep eating losses. This is supposed to be a rebuild cycle. Yes. I am very much should be on the rebuild. This should be a feud that he is, you know, kind of firmly in control of Gargano's uh, such a strange pick on this. I don't know that Waller beating Gargano does a ton for Waller in terms of formidability. I think really what Grayson Waller needs to be doing, right, is killing giants and sort of like establishing himself. Like, I can kill giants. But, you know, like taking down like big dudes. Pretty good Aussie from you. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. No, but like where Waller would really get benefit. I'm not saying they should do it with Lashley, but like the type, the Lashley type characters, you know, like, like those guys from the main roster. Yeah, I, I I got Waller winning this. Probably by cheating, cheating or right. yeah. threatening Candace and the baby who are watching backstage or something like that. And Gargano has to valiantly do this. I think this match is going to be very good until then, but I think you're going to hear a lot of comments from fans who are like, well, Johnny Gargano only does one kind of match in NXT. He's really not that good. From AEW type fans, I I, I, I think people I, are gonna underplay how Gargano good Gargano is. I think people are also gonna not leave this match with a full impression of how good Waller is because exactly I, Waller's yeah. athletic. Uh, he's good on the microphone. He he's a good character. He's a good character in the ring. He he's just someone you love to hate. Yes, uh, yeah, and he has that. He has he has the special has, gift. He has it. it. It like it's, it's good. I I just really see it with this guy, and I would love to see what this guy would be able to do if you know he had some of the indie seasoning too. I I think like there's actually a lot of potential in this guy. I'm gonna give you lead on the men's match, but I'm taking lead on the women's match. Ladder match for the NXT Women's Title. Roxanne Perez defending now that she's been cleared. Versus Zoe Stark, Gigi Dolan, Tiffany Stratton, Lyra Valkyra, and Indy Hartwell. Roxanne coming back in. Oh, the melodrama here about uh, the issues that they've used to cover the she other has issues. Anxiety, Jeff. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna say this: Roxanne Perez is the one. If. If WWE main roster gets a do-over, 
with the Bailey character, you got Roxanne Perez right here. You're a baby face. This segment was horrible, but damn, if they if Roxanne wasn't putting her heart into it. That's what I'm going to say about that. The problem here is now that you've brought her back with overcoming mental health issues, she has to win here. And this was the time really to belt Tiffany Stratton, in my opinion. But you can't do that now. Because otherwise, it becomes, well, Roxanne Perez's mental issues have gotten over on her. And the problem with that is you've now made one of your characters mentally ill. And I don't think you want a top baby face to do that. Now, now some people will be saying, well, Jeff. You go to the top of the ladder and have a panic attack. Oh, my God, no. I can't, I can't do it. I can't do it. I can't win the match. And no. then Tiffany just decks her and ah! takes the belt. This is going to be how she, she's going to lose the belt. Oh, she came back too soon. That's oh, the- you're so right. Yep. And and here's what certain fans are going to say. Well, Jeff, this is a perfect opportunity to teach people about compassion for mental health and emotional health. And I'm here to tell you, they don't do crap subtle in NXT or WWE, kids. You all should know that by now. And anybody who says that to me, I'm going to punch it in the face. I just, you know, this is a good opportunity. And you can see the after-school special wheels turning in people's head where it's going to be Roxanne Perez. You know, the doubts are there. Can she come back and overcome Tiffany Stratton who stole her belt? Yet another, yet another Federation doing Rocky storylines after AEW. And just, uh, I'm Who do you have here? Do you have her winning or do you have Stratton winning this? I got Stratton winning. I got Stratton winning this too. And I think it's the worst move they can make. So maybe not everybody will be happy after this. Everybody won't get what they want. But you'll get a couple of disappointments. This will be it. Yeah, I just have a hard time seeing anyone else in this. And yeah, I just. <laughs> the way they brought back Roxanne Perez very much felt like paving the road to a loss rather than paving a road to yes. a loss. Yes, Papa Papa HBK is worried about her now. And- oh no! And, and let us talk for a moment about the high quality acting work from HBK. Dude, let, let me let me apologize to the Mysterio family for ever ever hating their acting ability because this thing, HB Shizzle, my man, bringing it when when he when he sinks his teeth in the material, you just really feel it from this guy. Look, I'm here for the Emmy upfronts by WWE next year. <laughs> I want to be in that room with the Television Critics Association. I mean, I guess I can answer who thought it was a good idea for Shawn Michaels to be like a narrative through line for large chunks of these episodes. That would be Shawn Michaels, I believe. That would be Shawn Michaels. No, I know know the answer, but does anyone other than (laughs) Shawn Michaels and maybe his friend Paul? Do you think think (laughs) Shawn Michaels sits in his office all day and watches nothing but Shawn Michaels matches and promos and angles and goes, that's what I could use for this guy? It feels like (laughs) it's just been mining the glory days of 94, 95, 96, and 97. And that's that's what he's going for. You know what? He's going to bury somebody just out of nostalgia. It'll be great. (laughs) What I want you to do in this match is I want you to oversell. 
a lot. I want, like, I want, I now want a vignette where HBK comes into HBK's office and bear and HBK buries somebody in front of HBK playing HBK Vince. That's what I want. <laughs> oh God! Well, you're gonna get this one in the men's North American NXT North American Championship, and this match, I think, might be the best match of the weekend if everybody has their caffeine at 10 a.m. because I think it's opening the show. Wesley, your champion, taking on Dragon Lee, no relation, versus JD McDonough versus Ilya Dragunov versus Axiom. No big guy to base here. Nothing but five small flippy do guys, and I'm here for it, Chris. Who you got? In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We hype ourselves up thinking, ah, maybe I can pull a Ken Griffey Jr. rookie card. But with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view of all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now, when I buy Slab Packs at Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. I was able to open an Arena Club slab pack, and and I'll be honest, it was a lot better than what you normally do. Say you go to a card show, and there's a random innocuous brown bag of cards, and yeah, you can open it, and look, it's going to be junk. You're, you, you know what I mean? Like, you know what you're probably going to get in those. Maybe you find that fun, and sometimes I do. Sometimes I like just opening up cards and saying, oh, hey, look at some random cards or whatever. But if you're really in this game to to find value and find particular cards, it sucks to have to buy these mystery packs, and it ends up being, you know, almost nothing. You know, nothing of value. Not with Arena Club. You can display, again, of all available cards, hit rates, grading, so you know that when you're opening up the slab pack, you are going to get something valuable. You are getting something good. And Arena Club, in addition to having those great slab packs we just talked about, is also a marketplace for card collecting, buying, trading, selling, displaying, all that sort of stuff. But those Arena Club slab packs, man, they are revolutionizing the repack game with transparency. After your polls are revealed, they'll immediately be placed in your vault for safekeeping or trading and selling, and you can have them officially graded by Arena Club as well. So again, setting these things off, it's going to be officially graded by Arena Club. And the Arena Club grading process is accurate, fast, and transparent with full grade rationale provided and explanation of how your card was scored. So whether you're buying, selling, trading, or displaying, Arena Club is the card collecting platform that you have to check out. So right now, I've got a special offer here for Voices of Wrestling Network listeners. You can get 10% off of your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Now, that's a crazy offer. That's 10% off a $400 slab pack. $40 off right there. 10% off your first purchase. No matter what that purchase is, 10% off again that's arena club.com slash vow net arena club.com slash vow net for 10 percent off your first purchase on arena club and we thank them for sponsoring the voices of wrestling podcast network what's going on guys this is rich from the flagship podcast here on the voice of wrestling podcast Network. If I could have a moment of your time, I'd like to tell you about one of our sponsors, Eufy Video Lock. Eufy Video Lock is a smart lock, a 2K camera, and a doorbell, all three in one, offering you triple 
security. So you can have everything in one device rather than installing many pieces on your front door. But it's not just for security. The Eufy Video Lock is also for convenience. No more concerns about losing keys, and you can assign passwords to your family members and see them coming back home via the integrated cameras. Some other great features we love about the Eufy Video Lock is it is easy to install and set up with just a Phillips screwdriver, no drilling required. Keyless entry, no more fumbling for keys when your hands are full. You never have to worry about kids losing keys or passing among renters. You also have 0.3 second, 0.3 second fingerprint recognition and one second unlocking again 0.3 seconds it's going to recognize your fingerprints and in one second it's going to unlock and with the ai self-learning chip embedded the more you use it the more accurate it will be also no battery anxiety you have a rechargeable battery in there that could last around four months and you will get a low battery notification before it runs out a passcode unlocking a remote control with the 2k clear sight see who's at your door and control from anywhere through the Eufy app. With enhanced night vision, you can have optimized view even in the evening. You can also secure your package delivery by view and two-way audio. And then best of all, no monthly fee. A bunch of other brands out there are going to charge you a monthly fee. You have your recordings locally and you never have to pay for storage. Customer service, Eufy's got you handled as well. They're on standby for you 24-7 so you can enjoy a worry-free experience with an 18-month warranty, all backed by their professional customer service team. Contact them anytime by telephone, email, or live chat. Personally, as a homeowner, I love my Eufy Video Lock. I have the ability to see what's going on when I'm not home, when packages have has arrived, and, and really the thing I love the most about it, the ease of being able to lock and unlock my doors without having to fumble with my keys and reach in my pocket or wait, no, crap, they're in my backpack, all that sort of stuff. All this is happening while my dogs are barking at me. You know what? Not anymore with the Eufy Video Lock. I touch it. 0.3 second fingerprint recognition, one second doors unlocked much much easier so if you want to jump on board with eufy video lock search eufy video lock that is e u f y video lock again that's eufy video lock e u f y video lock or visit eufyofficial.com slash video lock to see how you can gain complete control of your door Wesley wants to beat it. I think Wesley does pull it off. I think like I don't think they're done with the Wesley like they're not done with the Wesley story yet, line yet, I don't think. So, I'm going to say Wesley wins. I don't think so. Boy, I, I think you should belt Dragon Lee. I think you should. But I don't know that they're done with less Wesley yet. I think like I mean, one, I think that this could if it was the main event be the match of the weekend but i think having seen nxts in years past where they'll put these multi-man things in the the beginning it'll be an extremely good 15 minutes you have um, the mcdonough dragon off feud that you still can go to mm-hmm. you have this weird wesley axiom storyline where axiom has been protecting wesley dragon leaves the island without a partner here so, I mean, to me, the most narratively satisfying would be Dragon Lee, but I think you're right. I think Wesley takes this one. Yeah, and Dragon Lee is going to look really good in this, but maybe maybe we'll see, like, Axiom's character shift. Or, I don't know. Like, uh, you know, in, in a feud with Dragon Lee, or maybe Dragon Lee will come in and be a heel. And in the main event, 
in a terrible story, but they really killed it on the video package here, I thought. Uh, Braun Breaker, your NXT champion, versus Carmelo Hayes with Trick Williams. Yeah, uh, this is an interesting one. Especially if you think Perez is going to lose her title. I don't know. I, th- I, th- I think Breaker might retain here. I think Carmelo might be coming up to the main roster. I think the same thing, and I think Breaker turns heel. Interesting. I think Breaker takes a shortcut to win. Okay, so he he yes that that we begin we start the beginning of the Breaker heel turn because like yeah, they we have, we, yeah we have we have Trick Williams blue. trying to interfere he gets rid of him, but you know like he throws a chair in there but then Breaker uses the chair on Carmelo or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and and like this could be a really fun sort of double turny sort of match too, where Melo's working sort of as the yeah. underdog. And it's dangerous. This, this could actually be a really fun match. It's going to be a fun match. I no, think. right. I mean, if the story is going to bog it down is the problem. I don't know if they execute the story well. I, I mean, and, and the, you know, I think that this is fairly natural. The crowd's going to be there with them on this. The crowd likes Mellow. The crowd has been sort of turning against Breaker anyways. And like, you're right that that is the story they've been sort of telling here. If if they lean into that, wrestle into that, and they're given like 25, 30 minutes, especially if you get get rid of Trick early. Get Trick out of the picture early so that like Mello gets 10 minutes to really sort of settle into the underdog baby facey sort of role. And it starts really pissing off Breaker. But you gotta make sure that the rejection of the fandom bothers breaker and that's a key pivotal point in the match that he like looks at the crowd and realizes they're not with me they hate me they want carmelo to win and it doesn't even matter to them like like it it doesn't matter that this guy is you know whatever And then we get the you people promo on tuesday you fans each and every one of you i think okay they'll go to ham-handed on that but I think a fun transitional promo here is where Breaker just starts viewing the fans as doubters. So, okay. it, yeah, like initially, it's it's not that he fully hates them yet. It's just that, like he's trying to be like, I'm saying positive against all the doubters out there. Uh, he, they like won't. a Kurt Angle type thing? Yeah, they won't, though. They'll go right to you people. But yeah, I think, I think there's, so. Yeah, there, there's a nice actual off-rampy sort of thing there. It, I will say... Bit of a it could be really interesting if they afterwards turn like the creeds and have the creeds and breaker all be heels. Like, Dude, I, I want the varsity club. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I am very he- here for those three guys as like a dominant heel faction in NXT. Starting and hell, with- give them uh, give them a uh, Gable Stevenson's brother back. All oh, four of nothing them nothing would be better than when David Kemp shows up and goes, I thought you guys sucked, but now that I've seen what you guys do, you guys are actually kind of cool. Yeah. I'm fly with you again. I'm but, in. Yeah, I'm in, I'm in again. You guys don't suck as much as I thought you did. Maybe Roderick <laughs> Strong Roderick Strong comes back and leads him again or something. <laughs> but I'm definitely here for just any more more Damon Kemp and Creed's interactions. That, that was one of the better segments on this show in the last year. All right, let's get to the two nights of Mania. Night one, starting off, Austin Theory, your United States champion, opening the show against John Cena. Here's my theory, Chris. 
if Vince isn't doing the welcome to WrestleMania, this is almost a glorified squash of theory so that they can figure out something else to do with him and creative, even though they won't. And then John Cena goes, hope you enjoyed the match. Welcome to WrestleMania. <laughs> and yeah. we're off. No, I, I mean, this This could realistically be a three-second theory loses match. Like, they try to set the new WrestleMania record for the shortest yes. time. Yes. Well, yeah, the SD Jones or Daniel Bryan uh, loss. Yeah. I, everything logical says Austin Theory wins this. And I kind of liked his promo too. The 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 empty arena promo I thought was pretty good. They they wanted to avoid the what's for him and that was a smart move. But they do love their moments and John Cena is such a mainstream celebrity and they love clout chasing. I and think Cena wins built- this. They haven't built Austin Theory enough to see a picture for what the next level beyond beating John Cena is. At this point, this sounds weird, but Austin Theory is so low in the card that beating John Cena means nothing for him. Yeah, this is Fandango beating Chris Jericho. Right, or I mean, or like even back in the day, like if, if Fandango had somehow beaten John Cena, that still wouldn't have made Fandango. No, he'd still be the dancing geek. Yeah. yeah. No, I agree. Uh what match next? Let's let's go to this one because this is a fun one. Rey Mysterio versus Dominic Mysterio. Whew. You know, the veteran knowledge is that Ray looks up at the lights for his kid to help make him. But again, WWE loves their moments. I think Ray beats Dominic here. Or Dominic just cheats so he- ham-handedly that he didn't really win so to speak mm. yeah I, i'm gonna go with the dominic cheats in such an offensive way that it doesn't really put dominic over per se but like he beats mysterio with the help yeah. of let's say maybe Rhea. yeah although see Rhea's in the main event so I don't think Rhea can help. Maybe Damian Priest. Yeah, but like I, the judgment, one of the judgment day, I think helps. Yeah. Helps him. Okay. Win. Or, or, or maybe, maybe it's he loses because there is no Rhea. And maybe that is the, that's the storyline. Okay. We can go with that. Yeah, I sure. I, I don't know. I mean, he, he should beat Ray. He should. Yes. Like, like, and, and Ray should be going. I want to lose this match to help my son's career, but WWE would probably push back against that. You know what? Screw it. I'm gonna switch. I'm gonna say Dominic Mysterio wins this. I I'm gonna say it too. I'm okay. there. Okay, I'm, I'm there. Say Dominic wins. I have talked myself into my own bad idea, but yes, let's go with that. <laughs> In a, a showcase match, a fatal four-way tag match, Braun Strowman and Ricochet versus the Street Profits of Angelo Dawkins and Montez Ford versus the Alpha Academy of Chad Gable and Otis versus the Viking Raiders, Eric and Ivar with Valhalla. <laughs> Dumb name for her. Uh, look, eight guys who can go on this match. Uh, I think it's going to be fun sprint, but there's not going to be much to it. Uh, I think Braun and Ricochet win it. I think Otis turns on Gable and joins the model 
crew because they're looking to make fun of the fat guy. He's the new Chris Farley again. Um, yeah, who you got? Um, I'm gonna say the Viking Raiders. Okay. Yeah, I'm. I I think like they need to do something with this act, and so I'm. I mean, you know. If it was Ricochet and Braun, that wouldn't surprise me either. Like, that act has been working. But, like... And the Street Profits wouldn't shock me either. Yeah, I know. It, it, I'm they gonna just like to have fun. I feel like they haven't, they haven't tried... They haven't really, you know, pushed... You know, done the tread on the tires on the Raiders yet. Six-woman tag. Trish Stratus, Lita, and Becky Lynch versus Damage Control of Bailey, Dakota Kai, and Io Sky. Dakota Kai and Eosky finally getting a mania payoff. Despite the fact that this story has stunk. Who you got, Chris? I'm going to say damage control wins this because Trish turns on, uh, turns on her team. Yeah, that... Man, I... But I don't trust WWE again, and I know Vince is back, but he's not really in creative, but the instincts are strong here. And my thought is... Trish, Lita, and Becky win to give the moment. And then Trish turns on Becky on Monday. Which uh, I think okay. does nothing, really, for this. But I want Damage Control to win. I think they need the win. I think they need to do something with this stable or break them up. But I, I think the baby faces and the legend. Like, in my mind, it's just kind of like a classic bad booking move to have a team that is going to break up the next night, get a win. Yes, <laughs> like, but that's what? WWE in a nutshell. Though. I know, I know. But like, you know, we're complaining about like incoherent or illogical bookings. Like this is a textbook bad booking move, in my opinion. Seth freaking Rollins versus Logan Paul. Ooh. Does he beat Logan? I don't think he does. I think Logan goes over here. This is a tough one. I am hyped for this match. Chris. I am hyped for this match. Too. I am hyped really? for this. Logan Paul is a despicable human being, but I'm here for this match. I know. I know. He no. He you know. Speaking of speaking of people, we should never cheer for or really endorse. Period. Like Logan Paul is pretty up there. Uh, I mean, I am here's something. I'm going to agree with you, and I am going to say that he goes into a program with Cena for the U.S. title at Saudi Arabia. Oh, lo wait, Logan Paul versus Cena? Yes. Ooh, I mean that's. Look, I mean, that's intriguing. That's I think intriguing. that's. I think they have a Saudi show coming up in May. I want to say, don't quote me on that, but uh, that that's where I'm going with. It. I think Logan Paul and Cena is the move because it's two celebrities fighting it out, and WWE would love that. I agree. Oh, I think okay. Logan Paul wins this. <laughs> Oh, Jeff. <laughs> I didn't realize you're taking a hit of anything. I, I, you know, I was, I was, I, I still managed to remain professional. In the not main event of night one, but the most anticipated match of night one, the Usos of Jay and Jimmy, your champions, your undisputed WWE tag team champs, take on Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. 
I think the Usos lose here. I think uh, Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn win. It's just the pop game. that this match is going to get. No, I mean, beyond that, though, like the ratings that Sammy and Kevin have been driving in Canada over the last few months have been quite stunning. Yes. Like, like, like I, it's just baffling to me that they're, the WWE is not realizing what an asset these two guys it, to the story have been that it's been Roman. It's been Roman and the Usos and the bloodline's been great, but like they had, they had the exact right sympathetic protagonist characters in Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens. The last yes. year. And they're going to stick the landing. This has been two years in the making and they're going to stick the landing on the bloodline. I think I hope God, I hope this just should have been the close of night one. I, I mean, agree. It will not one is Kevin and Sammy hugging. crying, yes. hugging, saying, I'm sorry, and holding up the titles. Yes, I agree. I wholeheartedly agree, but they have that dumb stipulation at the Rumble. And so, your main event for night one probably is Charlotte Flair against Rhea Ripley. Rhea's going over, and Rhea's going to be the baby face. In that match. Yeah, that I think this Charlotte the, the, promo crowd's, is the crowd's going to force the turn on Charlotte. Yes, yes. Because, I mean, that, that, that promo she did Friday night where you could see she got rattled when they were wanting her. And she was trying, she was trying to be wholesome and likable and, hey, guys, you know, I've tried so hard. And, yeah, my dad, blah, blah. Are you really wanting me? You could tell she was rattled. And that crowd saw blood in the water. And they... They were swimming like sharks around her. Uh, and you know what? We knew this was going to happen from the second they started this angle. What? Whether or not WWE wanted that or not, like, Hold it, up. Was, it was a giant burning inevitability that the crowd was going to turn on the Charlotte as babyface premise. And you know what? They're going to try and milk the heat because I think at the end of the night here, I think Dominic helps Rio win this match. And they become the new power couple. <laughs> That's your closing, your closing image of night one of WrestleMania is Dominic and Rio and not Kevin and Sammy, which is ridiculous. 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 As oh. much as we like Dominic and Rhea, um, it, it is a dead end street to focus on them as the power couple. I agree. The way, do, the way that they've been booking the women's division. Like, because the whole thing with Dominic and Rhea, right, is that like the the folk Rhea's the capable one and Dominic's the boob. Yeah, yeah. I just you gotta you gotta have Rhea lifting up Dominic on her shoulder like Elizabeth. <laughs> you no, know, it'd be great. Is Dominic keeps trying to lift up Rhea like two or three times, can't do it, and, and just, then they switch. Yeah, she she just like stops him and then she lifts him up. Yes. yes. I'm here for this. I'm here for this stupidity. <laughs> I oh man, that is so great. Uh night two. Let's let's get this one out of the way. Brock Lesnar versus Omos with MVP. Gonna be a classic. I bet you it goes about 20 minutes. Six and... stars, seven if it's in the Tokyo Dome. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah, it's like <laughs> it's gonna be everything you want it to be and more. A lot of things that you've been missing in wrestling over the Penny last Penny Who? Omos, mother. Yeah. Like, 
And I mean, I think Omos is going to turn in a performance that you won't be able to forget. Okay, but it's still kind of a question: who wins? Um, the fans. (laughs) I think Brock goes over. There's no way he loses Omos. Brock's going over. I think. Okay, I think he'll like knock. Brock may quit halfway through this match and just walk out. I, although I'm morbidly curious to watch what the F5 on Omos looks like. Oh my goodness, yes. Because I think that, that's going to look clunky as hell. Yeah, I think that I think you're gonna I think you're gonna get a lot of F5s on uh, Cedric and Shelton just to make it look good. Um, ooh, ooh. here here's one. Um, over under on clunky botches. I'm going to give you two. Is it more than two or less than two? Like, oh, that's way over. I'm taking at least seven. Yeah, I, I okay. So do we get to the do we arrive at the Lashley Lesnar match where we get to the this isn't working for me, brother thing? With yes, I, th- I think we do. I think he okay. You think we're gonna get to this isn't working? For I me. think Brock's gonna get pissed halfway through this match. He's either gonna leave or he's gonna start throwing Omos with no regard for his safety. I am here for the Bruiser Brody Lex Luger experience with <laughs> and Brock Lesnar, like, where Luger just leaves. Yeah, yeah, because because uh, because Brody just refuses to do anything. Yes, yes. Uh, okay. <laughs> Showcase fatal four way tag match for the women: Liv Morgan and Raquel Rodriguez versus Natty and Shotzi versus Ronda and Shayna versus Chelsea Green and Sonia Deville. <laughs> oh, uh let's get the uh let's get the prop bets out of the way Shotzi is doing a dive onto everybody of course uh, uh Raquel is gonna get to showcase her strength do Rhonda and Shayna actually go over or do they give it to Liv and Raquel I think I'm gonna say Rhonda and Shayna go over I I think it's gonna be Liv and Raquel okay I th- I think it's I don't know man I th- <laughs> I think it's just one of those things where I think Raquel is going to be, this is the first incarnation of Braun. And I think they're going to start pushing her after this as a singles person again. So I think, I think Liv and Raquel get the big win here. Okay. Uh, In a hell in a cell match, edge versus the demon Finn Balor. That's a story match waiting. Yeah. It's a story match. Edge wins. Uh, if this is Edge's last match, or if he's going away for a while, I think Finn Balor wins this, and they get then the Demon gets his heat back after losing to was it was oh it was Roman Reigns that the Demon first lost to, and I think this is to get the mystique of the of the Demon character back a little and to help that Judgment Night uh, stable have a little bit more oomph to it. So I think the Demon wins this one. They haven't really finished the best stuff, though, have they? Uh, I think it's over. I think they're done with it. Okay. I don't know. Maybe then. Uh, uh, and maybe. I think I think Edge knows that he's kind of overstayed his welcome a little bit. I think it's time for him to go away for a bit, even if it's to AEW with a run with Christian, or to come back with Christian and FTR and WWE. Whatever happens, happens. Boy, it really feels like the money is in those two guys together at this point. Uh, that like. N- 
Christian honestly feels like the better singles of the two of them, but like I, I think just there's a lot more intrigue in edging Christian together than there well. Is. The problem is the Hardy Hardy brothers problem, in that Christian is the Matt Hardy, and Edge is Jeff Hardy, the one that everybody really really wants to see, and they're kind of like, yeah, we'll take Christian in the package. Uh, that's an interesting comp to, well, okay. I I mean, the the difference is that both edge and Christian can really talk, but like, yes, I feel that Christian's the better character worker of the two. Yes. And edge loves his community theater. Yeah. Edge, edge, edge only knows how to do stuff at like 10. Yes. Yeah. Christian has much more subtlety to his uh, snark and I love it for him because I love subtle snark. In a hoss fight to end all hoss fights for the Intercontinental Championship. Gunther versus Sheamus versus Drew McIntyre. I'll let Man, you know. This is the match I'm actually like. Oh, really I am so stoked on. for this match. Yeah, I know. It's going to be good. Like, they're going to. They're going to beat the sh- crap out of each other i know i know (laughs) this is going to be there are going to be chests that are welt filled (laughs) oh those clubbing blows dude when seamus puts the 10 beats of the baron on gunther it is going to be done with such aggression because gunther has slapped both of their chests so many times like the give and take here is going to be very generous. Yes. And I think you know, even though it's fairly obvious that Gunther's going to retain here, it's going to be such a fun 12 minutes or whatever it ends up being. It It's just going to be big dudes beating the crap out of each other. Who you got winning? I have Gunther retaining. Interesting. I think there's a chance because they have been playing up this story that the Intercontinental title is the only title Sheamus has never won. Sheamus is getting up there in years. I think Sheamus wins this. Interesting. I think there's going to be a lot of happy endings in the on this card, and I think that's going to be one of them. I don't mind Gunther winning, because he's a great champ, but I think they're going to give it to Sheamus. Is he going to turn heel in the process? Is he going to pin Gunther? Or is he going to pin Drew? Uh, well, the story, I think he's going to pin Drew because the story was that Gunther was mad at Adam Pierce because he can lose his title without being pinned. So I think that's how they get around it. I think Drew's taking, I think Drew's eating the pin here. Okay. Interesting. Yeah, maybe. And then eventually they'll they'll do a feud where Drew beats Sheamus or something like that to get the heat back, something to that effect. I don't know, but uh, you know, I that that's just my thought. I mean, either Gunther or Sheamus are going out of this the winner, I think. But uh, my head leans Sheamus for the WWE Raw Women's Championship. The champion Bianca Belair versus sexy PTA mom clown Oscar. In one of the worst told stories that I've ever seen out of a big build for a WrestleMania. Because all they did was have Asuka be Asuka, but with the weird creepy clown makeup and and drooling. Who you got, Chris? Is Asuka going to win? 
I think Asuka wins. And I think possibly there's a post-match misting with the great Muda. Okay. Okay. Sure. <clears throat> yeah, I was just like, I mean, I was really thinking about is Asuka going to win based on the quality of this build, but let's suppose the quality of the build means nothing. Yeah, I think you're right. I, th- I think Asuka wins. I just... Bianca should probably win based on the build because Asuka's just being weird and dancing with the title and really doesn't bring a whole lot other than the creepy vibe to it. And Bianca's a star in their eyes. And I'm starting to talk myself into Bianca winning this, even though Muda probably comes out and misses at some point. And then Asuka misses her and she still kicks out and wins blind. But I don't see who you put up against Bianca next, who you have in the, waiting in the wings as a big champ. Unless you're breaking up the EO, Dakota, Bailey crew and, and make, maybe pushing one of them. I think I might have just talked myself into Bianca winning this, even though I think Asuka is going to. Huh. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm going to say, I, I like... I'm now seeing the Bianca argument. I mean, Bianca's done nothing in this feud for the most part. She's but she's the star. Right. It, the, like, the question is really how much credence narratively do you put, like, do you take from the build? Like, d- does the build feel like it's actually belying what's going to happen at Mania, or is it one of these builds where okay, they did all that, but it doesn't actually matter. Well, they're doing the worst build possible where Asuka's done nothing, and what they say is, oh, she's playing games with Bianca's head. It's like, all right. Does it? Yeah, right. Does it seem like there's like a post-mania story for Asuka as heel champion? I, You know what this might be? This might be Asuka wins the title of Mania and Bianca wins it back. Like a no, okay, later. she wins it back the very next night. Not the next night necessarily, but maybe the next pay-per-view has Asuka gotten her big wrestlemania victory yet no she her streak was broken by charlotte that was a big she's always eaten l's at wrestlemania right you know what i'm just gonna say asuka and say the hell i'm gonna say asuka i think this is asuka's like uh wrestlemania time for her flowers bianca yeah yeah, bianca's had her wrestlemania win yes she's had two big ones she's had then she's had and she'll get the next big one against Rhea next year i think I think that's the move. To so this might actually be the Oscar WrestleMania win, and they'll do it in the style of her as a heel. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Uh, and then finally, singles match for the undisputed WWE Universal Championship. Roman Reigns with Paul Heyman versus Cody Rhodes. The underrated story here to me is that Cody Rhodes... It did, of course, leave AEW to come to WWE, and now they're going to crown him. I think. There is 15% chance in the back of my head, Chris, that they are just going to pivot to Jay versus Roman for the title and possibly beat Cody here with Solo, even though because Solo had his streak broken in Raw. I can't get there though, but <laughs> it's in my head that they that they then like possibly make 
Cody win at like Saudi Arabia to give them that moment, which would be stupid. It would be absolutely stupid. Don't get me wrong, kids. I, I, I think you have to belt Cody here. I think that's the move. That's the star making thing. That's the new quote unquote boom period. And we see what Cody has as a champion who can carry a company. And it's also a big F you to AEW. Don't, 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 don't think otherwise. Don't, don't think. The place he never wanted the belt at. Well, the place he trapped himself into not getting the belt. He wanted the belt there. Right. No, I, I, I know. I, I'm, but, but he can never. fell on his sword. Yeah. He could, he could say that he was doing that because the that's honorable a, thing. I was doing the honorable thing with AEW. The honorable thing, you know? Yeah. Cause you know, Co- Cody does love his own lore a little bit. No, um, no, no, sure. Right. The, the, I mean, that that's like a perfect Cody story. Yes. I got Cody winning here. And the fireworks go off and we get the moment. Man, I would love though for this match to like end with some crazy heist of the century sort of angle where Roman sacrifices Jay to retain the title. Like he 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 betrays Jay. And that's what starts the Roman Jay storyline. That the way Roman wins is he makes it clear that like he'll even sell out his own flesh and blood. He'll do anything to hang on to this title. Would it not be an even better story if he sells him out and loses? No. Okay. No, that's fair. I, I'm just thinking yeah, about it right now. No, I think it's, I think it's better if he sells him out and wins. Cause then Jay now gets that second bite at the apple of going after the title it brings this story full circle from where it began a few years ago. Narratively, it's the best story because Cody was just kind of shoehorned in here. But <laughs> you can't do that, man. I, I know. Yeah, I know that. I, I'm aware of that. But like, I actually love the notion of this very, very strong, incredible baby face being built up as a real threat to Roman Reigns, where it feels like for the first time throughout this storyline, Roman's title's in real jeopardy of being lost. And his back... And that's the win for Cody, is that he actually is a credible contender? Yeah, that's that's what makes him... Like, that's what makes him so... Well, that's not the win for Cody, right? I mean, that is the win for this storyline. It feels... I mean, it feels more credible than when Drew was going for the belt against Roman. Yeah, no, it does, but it's the most dusty thing ever to not. Like, I, I like the idea of Roman really being pushed to the limits and doing whatever it takes to get to 1,000 days, including betraying his own flesh and blood. Because day 1,000, I think, is Saudi Arabia. Yeah, it. I mean, that's the one thing that stays in the back of my head is, I don't know. Why not just go for the I think that would be the... You're almost there. That might be one of the biggest moves of corporate malfeasance. (laughs) I just... Number one, it would get everybody talking, though. (laughs) You believe Cody lost his title match? What the hell were they thinking? I can't get there, Chris. I can't get there. Get there, Jeff. Let's go there. No. You're do- you sacrifice Cody Rhodes for Jey Uso. Yeah. No. Yeah. Let's do it. 
Crime and sex. Let's let's edit that. No, we've we've gone long. Uh, I'm cutting us off there because we've we've had too much to drink. You've been smoking. I have not. I have not been smoking marijuana during the course of the show. Why not? (laughs) Yeah, I have been. Okay, I've been drinking alcohol. We're we're both good. I should have liked you like that. That was that was mean. Uh, (laughs) I know. But we'll make up. We'll kiss and make up after the show. Yeah, I know. I know. I know you'll forgive me, but I still we'll do forgive. a vigorous makeout session. You and I. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyways, before we make it weird, you can follow me at crackgame 13 You can follow Chris at Dr. Nov on Instagram, D-O-C-T-O-R underscore N-O-V. You can just follow the show at Shake Them Ropes. It will update as episodes come out because I don't tweet anything else on there. We are part of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network as i plugged earlier if you want to hear more of me and a thorough deconstruction of dynamite every wednesday night it drops late because we record right after the show myself and paul ace fontaine on fight game media patreon.com slash fight game media for five bucks a month you can have all the shows over there including power bombshells uh in the clinch uh, and and the boom and all the other great uh, shows there but hey voices of wrestling we have great shows here too five-star match game music of the mat with our friend andrew rich the flagship of course with joe and rich who could i mean joe and rich are just fantastic to be honest with you they they were thorough this week on all the shows going on this weekend like even like mini weirdo indie shows like i have a few friends doing so you know flagship is always good for thorough coverage we're we're kind of like the uh, village idiots of voices of wrestling here Chris plays guitar, gives music lessons, smokes on the air. He's going to tell you whatever he wants to plug right now. Yeah, all right. So if you want music lessons or you want to see me take trips to northern New Mexico, you can go and follow me on the Instagram. Afghanistan. Yeah. (laughs) So what Jeff is referencing is my trip to Taos today where uh, someone at a dispensary, I, I was talking to them, and they were like, how are you liking it here? And I said to him, man, it's really pretty here. I love the mountains. You've you got mountains on all sides. You know, I was passing by uh, a part of the Rio Grande. The water's like really blue. And there was this really nice park that I was like sitting at for a minute. And he's like, yeah, it's, it's kind of like that place. Uh, what's that place called? Uh, Afghanistan. And I'd never really thought about northern New Mexico being like Afghanistan. But well, you get the postcards all the time. Come to scenic Afghanistan. I've always known that Afghanistan's a popular ski destination, or at least it was before all the political instability. But I, I never really thought about the close analogy between northern New Mexico and Afghanistan until it was brought to my attention this afternoon. Enjoy the wrestling weekend, kids. Hi, I'm Case Lowe, co-host of the Open the Voice Gate podcast. The one question I'm constantly asked when it comes to Dragon Gate is how do I get into the promotion? Well, stop asking and start listening to the Open the Voice Gate podcast released every Wednesday on the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. For exclusive news and show reviews, look no further than the leader in Dragon Gate coverage, Open the Voice Gate.